This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 20th of June to the 26th of June. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's news editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Manny. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzy. Everything all right? Everything is fine. But can you tell us, will everything be fine in the sky tonight? Well, I can't promise clear skies. <laughs> that, that is definitely beyond my reach. But it's... if the skies are clear, what can people see tonight? Well, we, we start off with the morning sky because it's all happening really in the morning sky at the moment. Because this week we've got the parade of planets, as I like to call it. And what we've got is Saturn is the highest. It's, it's well up, sort of thing, by the, say, about 3.20 in the morning on the 20th, 21st. So it's really well up in the sky. It's over in the southeast towards the south. So, you know, it's well placed to observe now. In fact, it's getting, it's now to the point where it's beginning to rise around about midnight. So it's, we, we get a, a better chance to observe it when it's high up instead of looking through that all that murky atmosphere low down. So it's well placed. And, and minor world, Vesta is not too far from it in nearby Aquarius as well. But the moon's up in this region and this is why it sort of always attracts our attention because the moon will pass several planets. Now it passed Saturn just a few days ago, so it's uh, last week's uh, session. So on the 21st, the last quarter moon, it lies forming a triangle of bright Jupiter and much fainter Neptune. Obviously you need a telescope to find Neptune. You can do Neptune in large binoculars. It's a, it's a myth that you only need a telescope for uh, Neptune, but you can do it with large binoculars. So the first, the last quarter moon forms a triangle with Jupiter and Neptune. Um, and uh, say, it's, uh, well, it's, it's always nice to have the moon guide you to these planets. I mean, Jupiter's easy, isn't it? It's one that jumps out and hits you around the face even when you're not looking for it, when it's yeah. up and nice and bright. It and Venus sort of thing, you know. Yeah, if you can't find them, then uh, you're in trouble. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but Neptune, it's nice when something like the moon, because the moon's formed this nice triangle, so you, you, it gives you a good idea roughly where to aim the binoculars and a telescope uh, to capture Neptune itself. Now, the next morning on the 22nd, the moon still forms a triangle, but this time it's with Jupiter and Mars. So Jupiter, Mars and Neptune, are, they're not quite, Jupiter's not quite piggy in the middle, <laughs> sort of 
of thing, but it's close to it. So it means that when the moon's the next time, it's actually forming this shallow triangle with Jupiter and Mars as well. So uh, so we've got Saturn, we've got Jupiter and Mars. Uh, we've actually got quite a host of bright planets. We've got Venus as well. And the thing about Venus is it's very low down. It is gradually heading back into the solar glare. So it's one of those things that we will steadily lose it. But it's one of those quirks that uh, if you if you determine to stay up, Venus again is so bright, <laughs> even in bright twilight, you can often pick it out. So it takes longer for us to actually lose Venus itself. But in the meantime, not too far away from Venus and just beginning to emerge, and it, it will be a bit of a challenge at this stage, is Uranus. So we've actually got quite a lot of planets up there. So we've got Venus, Uranus, Mars, Jupiter, Neptune, Saturn, and of course you could throw in our own Moon and Vesta as well. So it's quite a, an interesting uh, sight at the moment. But as I say Uranus will be the challenge because of the twilight itself but then you know venus is nearby so you know if you, if you get bored trying to find uranus and can't find it you know you've got brilliant venus nearby to actually spot it and that takes us to really the very last day uh, because on the 26th the crescent moon now we are getting to a very thin crescent moon now it lies roughly above venus now this is a photo opportunity surely because a crescent moon above brilliant venus is always an attractive picture anyway so astrophotography out there come on let's see your pictures of that absolutely exactly i mean there is a bonus though and it's it's always difficult because we are talking about the end of june we're just past the actual solstice sort of thing that was on the 21st so you know we we are in actual fact dealing with the solstice so the skies are light we have the uh uh, the the inevitable cries oh we can't do any astronomy during the summer because the skies are light. now to be fair the further north you are um that does apply because the skies are too light but you know for quite a few of these sort of like mid-latitudes, we can still see uh, a reasonable amount of stuff. Now, the thing about this is that the Moon and Venus also form a triangle with the Pleiades. So they're emerging now out after being hidden by the solar glare. But it's one of those things that the bright twilight might well cause you to have problems with them so you know use binoculars i don't i'm not sure whether they'll actually be naked eye i have tried at this time of year to observe them and i found it very difficult you also as we often say you need a clear uncluttered horizon because they are quite low down you're looking roughly east northeast in that general region a little bit more towards the northeast part and so you know it's the twilight that i think might be the problem but having venus and the moon as a guide then you've got you stand at least a chance and i think with binoculars you might just pick them out but we're looking at about 20 past three in the morning so you know it's quite early but you know it won't be too long before the sun's just too well the sky's too bright to capture this so you know it's one of those things but at the same time we've got an additional bonus and this is why i like it as a photographic opportunity because when it's a slim crescent the moon we see the earth shine on it and we we have mentioned the earth shine a few times before and it's second-hand light bounced off the earth's bright reflective surface and atmosphere back onto the moon it illuminates the night side of the moon so that's why we call it earth shine because it's actually light bounced off the earth illuminating the night side of the moon so it looks quite ephemeral i always think so seeing this it has this kind of like like as you said like the sort of ethereal ephemeral beauty about it that you can sort of just see the shadow of the shadows in the shadow. <laughs> it's that kind of, yeah, you, you, 
you can see it. It's quite incredible. It's a bit ghostly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, ghostly. And the thing is, if you're careful with a telescope binoculars, you can see some of the features of the moon. They're subtle, you're right. They're, they really are sort of on the edge. But, you know, it's quite it's quite fun, actually, to see, and especially some of the bright ray craters actually do stand out quite well under Earthshine. So uh, there we are. So we've got Venus, we've got the crescent moon, we've got Earthshine, and you never know. You might pick out the Pleiades, Messier 45, just emerging out of the solar glare. Uh, but they will be at a bit of a challenge. But I like challenges sort of thing. You know, that that's the whole point. It's easy to do the regular things all the time. But sometimes it's yeah. worth having a side challenge just to see whether you can do something like that. As I always think, challenges is how you grow better in a hobby. You're, you're doing this for your enjoyment, but if you want to grow and improve, the best way is to to, to stretch yourself and challenge yourself to, to do these things that are a bit more difficult. Um, so definitely, yeah, hopefully some of our listeners out there will challenge themselves and, and find a new ability that they didn't know they had before. So to finish off for this particular week then, um, actually, if you want, we have got a comet, and it's comet 2017 K2 pan stars. And the thing about this is that it is visible in uh, binoculars. It's roughly about magnitude 8. So don't get excited. You won't see a massive great tail or anything like that. But the point about this is, again, we often highlight when they're close to something that helps guide you to it. And in this particular case, it actually is moving past the star Beta Ophiuchi. So magnitude 2.7 for that star. So that's a naked eye, easy to see star. So it's worth going out because over the course of the next few days, so June the 21st through to the 23rd, Comet Pan Stars passes that star quite close. So if you use binoculars and then get say, two or three mornings that are actually, or two or three evenings, I should say, clear, then you can see this comet slide past this bright star. So I say it won't be, the comet itself won't be anything great to, to shout out about visually, you know, but it'll be worth having a look at. I mean, a few people have noted there is a bit of a tail, but it is very tiny. Um, but best to view it as you get closer to midnight. When we're in the summer solstice, or cl- close to the summer solstice, then the darkest bit is really around about midnight and you've got probably and i mean that is not even dark but you know that about an hour or so that's about the best time you'll have before the skies really do start to get lighter that's why there's such a problem for deep sky astrophotography we don't really have enough time to do the long exposures or even lots of exposures so you know have a, a nice finish to the week sort of thing to to get that so we end on a comet. So we've had planets with the moon, sort of thing, you know, with the Pleiades, and we had a comet as well. So there we are. Mm. So whilst it might not be the best time of year to do some uh, deep sky astrophotography, there are a couple of other photo opportunities that you mentioned there to around the crescent moon and Venus and, and the, the Pleiades coming together. And so if any of our listeners do take up your, your challenge on that one to take some photos, uh, please do let us know. Uh, we have details over on our website, www.skynightmagazine.com, about how you can submit them. And we always print the best ones every month in the magazine. So maybe uh, one of our listeners images will end up in the magazine. But thank you, Paul, for telling us about all of them. My pleasure. Let's hope we get some clear skies. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. 
Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our Sky Guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.